Welcome to Lawyerly, the podcast for lawyers and those who love them. I'm your host, Sean Kennedy of Herrera Purdy. On today's episode, I'm joined by another Sean, Sean Kundu, who's an in-house attorney and executive for the San Francisco 49ers and some related companies. If you know me, you know this one is a highlight because I'm a big 49ers fan. But I also got to talk with him about a lot of really interesting things he's been doing around the business of sports and more broadly around customer experience. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Lawyerly. My guest today is Sean Kundu, who has a lot of titles. Sean is Vice President, Corporate Development at San Francisco 49ers. He is Vice President, Business Strategy and General Counsel at Venue Next. And he is Executive Vice President at Elevate Sports Ventures. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sean. Glad to be here. Excited to, to talk to your audience. Awesome. Uh, we're also joined today by my friend Josh Sales. Josh is not a lawyer, uh, but aside from me, he's the biggest 49ers fan I know. So he's here to sort of give the fans perspective or the fanboy perspective. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Josh. Thanks for having me. Not as many titles, but um, I'm happy with fanboy. Yeah, I think it's better not to have all those titles. I'd rather be fanboy. <laughs> It's just as important. I had Joe Montana pajamas when I was a kid, so, you know. It, wow. Uh, yes, yes. Nice. I go way back. Uh, so, Sean, let's start with your role with the 49ers. What do you do there? Yeah, good, good question. Uh, so, I think the best way to answer it is uh, anything that's not exciting, I get to work on. In, 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 in all, all, all joking aside, I, I'm not football side. So, uh, you know, in, in the reality is the core of that business is football. I work on all of our ancillary businesses. And so we do, fortunately, and actually, which is exciting, is we do have a lot of those. Um, it really started when I got there. Uh, we incubated a technology company, Venue Next, the one that you mentioned earlier. Um, and that was just a, a function of, one, building a new stadium, being in Silicon Valley, and having uh, a lot of really great influences around here to try to be cutting edge and bleeding edge in sports. And so, um, you know, there's that business. Elevate Sports Ventures is another one of those businesses that we incubated a couple of years back. We partnered with Live Nation Ticketmaster, Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, the folks that own the Devils and Sixers, and then Oakview Group, um, who Tim Iwicki runs, and he used to run all of AEG before that. So um, it is, these are all ancillary kind of touching sports in some way, um, businesses that are kind of sister companies. And then we have, I want to say, four or five 49ers branded ancillary businesses. We've done one with uh, Michael Mina. It's like in, in the restaurant space, hospitality space. We have our own fitness gym that we've partnered with Mark Mastroff, the, the former chairman and founder of 24 Hour Fitness. Um, we've, uh, we recently acquired a um, high school sports content platform, uh, which it's Cal High uh, Sports, which has been a long time presence in the Bay Area. And, and if you played sports up here, you, you know about them. Uh, and then the the last thing that we're kind of uh, gotten to recently is is in the physical therapy space, uh, working with uh, some really good uh, some uh, providers of physical therapy up here and, and kind of partnering with our brand. That's really interesting. So you're not out there catching catching balls with Jimmy G. 
Yeah, you know, I, I try. I, I figured this year with eighteen of our twenty-two guys out, I might have a shot. Uh, but uh, but it's uh, no, not not there, uh, not there. Definitely don't have the size or stature or speed or any probably of the requirements <laughs> to be anywhere near the, the the field. Josh does. Josh actually played college ball, so so watch out. We have to tell the whole story though, right? Like it's college ball at Northern Arizona University, and so. <laughs> No, I love hey, whatever. That. I know. <laughs> it's like the same. It's like Alabama, right? <laughs> College ball, man. Pretty you should much. just go with it. Yeah, yeah. I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned the the restaurant thing. I'm curious about that. Is that a 49ers branded? Yeah. So so it's 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 Michael Mina's tailgate at at Levi's Stadium is what it is, and it's really. I mean, this is actually a, a cool story. So Michael Mina has been a 49ers fan for probably as long, if not longer, than you. And he's been tailgating a candlestick. And so hmm. uh, because it's Michael Mina, his tailgates are with Charlie Palmer or Todd English <laughs> or, uh, you know, the, uh, whoever, you name it, right? It, these are the folks that are hanging out in, in his space uh, that, that he's hanging out with. And we happen to meet him literally in the parking lot of a tailgate. Uh, and he's like, I'm a huge fan, would love to do something with you. We're having our new building. And so we created an entire 20,000 plus square foot space just for Michael to kind of showcase his talents. Oh, wow. um, and, and every week, um, it's, it's pretty much exactly that. You know, he has some guest chef that comes who is the who's who of, of chefs uh, to be at the tailgate to kind of represent, you know, what they can do. And, and he gives an experience that's it's essentially like going and eating at the French laundry, like your multiple mm-hmm. meals and so super high end food and presentation and, and everything you can imagine. And so we've been providing that experience since the building opened. Uh, and obviously this is the first year with, you know, with everything closed that we're not, but it's been, it's been an exceptional, exceptional kind of business relationship that we've built with him and his team. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to become personally friends with, with, with a guy like that as well. He's, he's so genuine. You wouldn't know, you know, when you just see him, you know, 40 some restaurants that he has and all these other things, but he's literally just like one of us. That's really cool. So he actually literally brought the tailgate from outside inside. Absolutely. It's, it's his blood, sweat and tears. He is there, put it this way. He is there for every home game. Where you know he could you know like I said he has he's he's building his business he's doing all these other things but he's there he knows all of the members he is so engaged he's like he's 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 a fanboy himself mm. right and and it's so genuine that you can just it, you can see it in his interactions with people and the way he engages with folks so it's it's been a really cool experience. That's cool. What about the uh, the gym? Josh ah. was just telling me he's he's uh, in the market. Yeah. So, uh, 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 do you live up in the Bay, Josh? I don't know. If no, you're up, uh, okay, no, no. Yeah. I'm down so, in Southern California. Yeah. So, no. I mean, look. Obviously, COVID's take a, taken a, a hit on on all kind of brick and mortar spaces in general. But, you know, I think we 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 see the gym space in, in several ways. One, uh, you know, partnering with someone like Mark Mastroff, who's built you know one of the, the biggest, if not the biggest, fitness companies uh, in in the world. So we have, from an operation standpoint, we can just kind of close our eyes and go to bed every day because we know, that, you know, the guy that built um, 24-hour can can definitely build our gym. He can concept. handle that. Yeah, yeah no, no problem. And <laughs> and it's funny we're we since we don't you know we, we don't know anything about the gym business when we were building our um, our models for this we're like look it's going to take you know five six years to make our money back and this is a slow process and very honestly again pre-COVID, post-COVID, we can have the, that conversation later. But 
before this all hit, we were we were crushing it. We were only open a little over the, a year. We had over five thousand members. Um, you know, it, it, you know, it probably helps to have a really exceptional top class space that we have. And we were providing obviously amenities that, you know, that we're we're giving strength and conditioning stuff that some of our own guys are using. We're passing that along to to the trainers out there as well. Um, and we were ready to open our our second gym. Uh, and and really for us, it's it, obviously it's a great business. It's great to partner with Mark, but it's also kind of creating brand affinity throughout the Bay, right? It's just getting mm-hmm. out there in more places and getting to our our broader fan base for them to have more touch points than the ten games you know that we play at home every year. Sure. Yeah, I mean we'll get into this with some of your other things, but it sounds like your whole side of the business uh, is is kind of taking what the 49ers built as a sports team and turning it outwards into something that's bigger and better. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a big part of it. We're fortunate to have ownership that really wants to do that. I mean, we've been, since since the day I've got here, it's always pushing the envelope on what can we do next? How can we how, how can we be better? How can we be smarter? You know, how, how can we have our fans appreciate, um, you know, what, what we can provide them and, and how can we show them our appreciation as well? And so I think, look, it really starts top, it's it's really a top down effort, and it's the culture that that we've seen from our ownership and leadership down. So it is really taking a, an iconic brand uh, and really kind of pushing the envelope on what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. So you were there at the beginning with the new stadium. I mean, it's not brand new at this point, right? When yeah, was that I mean, still fairly new, right? So in terms of buildings, there are I'm trying to think one, two, three, four stadiums that are newer than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we cut, uh, we had ribbon cutting in 2014. So it's, you know, this is six, our sixth season in the building, um, you know, as, as of now. And so I got there a year before that and, and yeah, you know, I've, I've been there when I started, we were 80 employees outside of the football side. So they call it the business side of the business. And within, I want to say six months, we'd grown to probably 400 full-time and another 1100 part-time, you know, folks that we didn't ever have before. So that was, oh, wow. that was a Herculean effort that, that took a lot of time, you know, that, and I, and I was, I was fortunate to be a key, a key part of the, you know, that, that drive. And so that was a lot of my, uh, you know, my first six months on the job was a, a lot of nights of interviewing folks and figuring out how we we're going to scale the new business. Hmm. Yeah, Josh and I have been to a game there. Sweet, sweet yep. place. That's yeah, really cool. Um, I, I was surprised. Well, maybe not surprised, but the fan base there was really cool. And, and unfortunately, it was one of the one of the the, the seasons weren't. It wasn't going well. Um, and I remember sitting in the stands. I remember sitting in the stands, and I'm like, it feels like home when we're like consoling each other because we just lost to the Cardinals. Um, um, and I'm like, yes, these are these are my people. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. The, the stadium was great. Yeah, it was it was tough go opening the building, especially after going to, to three NFC championships in a row, and mm. you know, kind of really feeling kind of hitting our stride. And then you know, we went, we got in the building, we you know, eight and eight season, uh, and then we went on a little bit of a slide sub five hundred for a while. And then it, we we didn't. I think it was great. The greatest thing about last season wasn't you know, obviously great great wins and great playing uh, and getting to the Super Bowl, but. Last year, being in our stadium, it was like this is what it was built for. I mean, mm. the the noise and the excitement, and like mm. it, it's what we'd been waiting for, you know, for five years to really kind of just have that feeling again. And and it was, I, I mean, that that Packers game last year, I remember, like the building was rocking. You, you it, was, mm. it was it was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. Well, that's great. I yeah, I don't remember it 
being kind of rocking because we were we we're never in it when, yeah, we yeah, when, when, when you're five eleven or two and fourteen and you know those are those are tough seasons right yeah absolutely but I think you know we got a great a great front office in place and you know just outside of injuries this year I think we're looking forward to a really exciting twenty twenty one season that's actually like a, a- a really good, I think, question that I have is, oh, I just, I, did I just compliment my own question? Yeah, great question, man. Um, I, I thanks. love it. Hey, advanced, great that, question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I pat myself on the back as much as I can. Um, so, uh, so it's a really good thought. That, uh, so ultimately, what... <laughs> again. Ha, again, yeah, a good thought and good question. I think what I'm trying to get out is how much of what transpires on the field affects kind of your side, you know, the, the business side of the business. Like if, if this 49ers are just extremely successful, do you see just a whole bunch of people just like showing up at the gym um, or wanting to dine in at the restaurant or, or how, how much does, you know, the, the success that you're seeing on the field affect some of the other business, you know, that, that, that they're involved in that you're involved in. Josh, it is a good question, man. I will, I will corroborate your path. <laughs> so, I thought so, the, but I didn't know if you back. shared my, my own <laughs> and, opinion. And, and, and look, what I would tell, I'll, I'll tell you two things. One, uh, it is a panacea, right? Like you get, you, you have a, a winning season, especially one like we had last, last season. Mm. Um, you know, everything's coming up 49ers, right? Everyone's excited. There's much more buzz. They want to be involved. Every, you know, anything that we were pitching people is that much more sexy and exciting and, and something that they want to be involved in. What I will say, though, the interesting thing is, so it's not like the peaks and troughs that you would think. You know, when, when we, you know, when we were two and fourteen, which which wasn't that long ago, um, the, and I really think it's a part of our fan base. We do have, and this is kind of just stealing our own brand here, but we do have our faithful, and and our mm-hmm. fans are are truly that. They're not fair weather fans that are kind of, hey, look, we had we had we've had six Super Bowl or five Super Bowls, excuse me, and we're, we're you know we're, we're we're getting close to our sixth year, but it's not just folks from that were fans, you know, like like the three of us from when we were younger. But, you know, the younger generations, people that are moving to the Bay, I think that we've we've done a good job. And and honestly, you know, patting ourselves on the back on the business side, I think when you guys came to the building, you came during a losing season, but there's the experience is still mm-hmm. such a great experience there. Like no matter, you, you know, from from, you know, getting, you know, getting to the building, in the building, watching the games, being a part of the audience, like all the tech that we bring to it, all of those things I think has been really good. And so I, I think fortunately, because our business side is so strong, you know, we're always doing well, but when our football side does what they, you know, what they, what we knew what they always could do and, and really kind of executing on those pieces, it all is just a creative, just our business just goes up that much more. Mm. That's cool. So when you had the, the new stadium, one of the things that came out of that was venue next, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, yeah. So look, that was a big part of it. I think, you know, it's it's funny thinking back seven years and the way that we framed it then. But you know, our our biggest competitor was really folks at home. You know, everyone was just then getting there. You know, it was their fifty five inch screen in their house, right? But it was just like, <laughs> hey, I got, I have my 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 big screen at home. I don't have to stand in lines for food. My bathroom's right here. I don't have to drive anywhere. I get my instant replays, and so. The, the initial goal of Venue Next was, hey, how do we how do we compete with that home experience, right? Obviously, being at a game live is important, but, um, you know, we're very fair. We know it's an investment to come to these games and especially be our season ticket holders. So how, how do you make that experience more seamless, less frictionless and enjoyable? And so that 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 was really the heart and soul of Venue Next. And that was really uh, a key driver of our of our leadership t- team at the time, starting from our ownership to our, our president then, who who came from Silicon Valley and was like, look, we should go and we should create an experience. And, you know, we really relied on, on the cell phone that, that was, that 
that we all have in our pockets now, but was becoming the smartphone seven years ago. Uh, and I actually think we were ahead of our times. You know, we had mm-hmm. in-seat delivery and you know uh, on-phone uh, ordering and um, you know digital tickets before, really before it's as ubiquitous as we've seen it become now, where that's all you think about, especially actually during COVID, like you only order on your phone, right? If anything, going into next year, it'll be weird if you're not doing that. So I think we were a little bit of ahead of our time generally, and definitely ahead of our time in sports. And so I I think we did well, you know, we obviously got a lot of the marquee brands ourselves, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Yankees, um, you know, and and then and then a bunch of other teams. We had Orlando Magic, who's become from a technology and experience standpoint one of the top folks in the NBA right now, along with the Timberwolves. So we've really grown that company over time, and that company, very honestly, has pivoted. We used to be this you know mobile app system integration company. Let's put all the things you could ever do in a stadium on your phone. To um, let's just focus on what we're exceptional at. So. Um, you know, what we've realized we were exceptional at was really commerce and transactions on your phone and, and, and for people to have those experiences. And so we've, we've really focused on that. The company's pivoted and really become best in class mobile um, and, and local point of sale. And so we're, uh, I don't know if I can say this, but I think we can. We're at Staples Center now. We're at Levi's mm-hmm. Stadium. We're going to be at Target Center. We're at Amway Center. Uh, we're at Vivint Arena. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot we're at. Um, you know, can't mention names, but think of some of the largest theme parks in the world. And, you know, we're powering uh, all of their food and beverage, right? So that's, um, it's, 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 it's one of the things that we're, we were exceptional at, we've done really well at. And I think in terms of best in class service, we're, we're really good there. So really proud of the team and what we've accomplished over the last seven years. So that really is launching a a standalone business outside, you know, out of the, the footprint that you had from building this this stadium, wanting it to be more tech enabled and and those things early on, but you've really turned that into sounds like something that that you know is not just for sports, you know. Yeah, know. absolutely. It's turned into. I mean, we were four of us in like a basement in Palo Alto when this thing kind of started. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, there was like a remnants of some company that didn't survive, and we're like, oh man, we don't want to be these guys. Uh, and, uh, and, and so it, it went from there and, and look, it obviously helps to have, you know, our, our brand power behind it and, mm-hmm. and have a Petri dish and Levi's and have our ownership back it the way they have. But yeah, it's a, look, it's a privately held venture backed company that's on its own that has, you know, mm-hmm. other, other kind of investors and folks into it. And, and it's, it's, it's completely own entity. So it's, it's really from an experience standpoint was, was re- except is, is still an exceptional experience to be part of. So what do you do right right now uh, with relation in relation to venue next? So I think ne- so now is different in the beginning. In the beginning, look, there was a lot more legal work, you know, getting the company on its feet and doing the day to day tech transactions and, and broader business dealings that we're doing. You know, seven years later, fortunately, a lot of that we've we've built really good practice around and and now have more support around. So I think my role now, the way that I, I view it and, the, and our leadership view, team views it on that side is is to just be a strategic re- resource. You know, we have we just did a big deal with Ticketmaster and so was able to, to help our team with, with that deal. We did a, a large deal with, with IMG Learfield and, and their their mobile division sidearm sports. So working on, on deals like that, we you know, we have a really big partner in Levy Restaurants, who's one of the biggest concessionaires in the country and, and working with that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, getting to kind of work on, on those deals leveraging a lot of what we learned in the first, call it five, six years of the business um, and, and doing some of that now. Okay. So then Elevate, tell me about that. 
Yeah. So I, um, I, this, this business is my story around this, and this is, it'll be funny if my, uh, my boss, the CEO ever hears this, but, um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, elevate, uh, our, our CEO is Al Guido, who, who also moonlights as the president of the 49ers. So he kind of has two jobs, both small, obviously. Um, and, uh, and, and so he came on, uh, I, he, he was the, the first employee at a company called legends. They do, you know, sports consulting. One of the first ones in the space started with the Cowboys and Yankees and, uh, Goldman Sachs actually. And, um, one of their first projects was the selling our, our new building, kind of really getting out there, creating the marketing and sales plan around that. And Al was the key man there in charge of all of that. And so he went and was responsible for kind of all of the success that we've had in getting that building open. And we, uh, we poached him. We said, hey, it would be cool if we can bring him on. So he became our COO. Um, he was two offices down from me on the first day he, he came over and I walked in his office and I gotten to build a pretty good relationship working with him over the last few years before he came on. I said, hey man, like uh, you're here now. You're at Legends. Obviously, it's a, it's you know, it's an exceptional business. It's growing, but it's it's human capital, right? It's 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 people. It's experiences. It's these other pieces. There's no IP mode around a lot of this. You know, let's. What do you think about starting a business in this space? And he was like, hmm. Uh, he used some choice words. Which pretty much was like. <laughs> leave my office, but a little bit more explicit, right? It's my first day here. And so uh, I, you know, I, I bugged him about it pretty, pretty frequently over the last few years. Uh, and so he was hanging out with the co-heads of sports for CAA uh, and uh, the CEO of uh, Hair Splitzer Sports Entertainment. So the folks that own the Devils and the Sixers, you know, guys that, you know, probably around my caliber, you know, some, somewhere where I am. And uh, they were at they were at drinks at one of the major uh, sporting events. They're like, hey, we should all work together and build this really cool company. And so, you know, Al, Al, Al calls me up after that. He's like, hey, you know how we wanted to do this? Well, I was talking to these guys. I was like, really? You know, after all this time, right? You know, I, what, what, I have zero influence, man. So, um, so it's a great you know, idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so a little over two years ago, all, all kidding aside, the, we, we kicked this off and it was the same thing. We were, you know, we were three or four folks running around the entire country, um, you know, b- building a sports consulting company. So, you know, we like to think of ourselves as, you know, the Bain McKinsey BCG of sports where we learned a lot of things. We have exceptional talent between our organizations um, and you know, th- thinking of ways to to leverage that talent and and really be open open kimono on best practices like all tie you know all 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 boats rise type of thing and and let's see how we can help it um, help folks out and so we did that and we're we're two plus years strong now um, you know we have twenty some clients in in all major sports in in tennis and in racing you know um, internationally and so. That is that's been super super cool to, to to see again growth and and the team that we've brought on board. You know we have our leadership team are the who's who in sports, and so we got some really exceptional folks um, that we're we're surrounded by. So just very lucky to be around those people and learning from them. So are you at this point? I mean, could you be a GM of a team? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so a, 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 absolutely not. So we, we, you know, so again, I think a cu- couple things here. There's there's on the sports side. Um, it, there's, there's, there's the, the Billy Beans of the world, the, the Theo Epstein's of the world, the Prag Marates of the world, the John Lynch's of the world. And, and then there's the call it the, uh, Al Guido's, the Scott O'Neill's of the world, right? These, you know, folks that are the, the business side versus the sports side. And so, um, you know, fundamentally two different sides of the business and, and two, two very, you know, I would say there, there's, there are definitely times where there's overlap in those places, um, where the sports side folks are also running the business side. Um, but um, rarely do you see the other side because it just takes so much dedication and expertise mm. to learn that side of the business, right? You have to kind of grow kind of grow there from scratch. I mentioned Prague, who's our 
um, uh, EVP of football operations. He's he's been with the team I think for 21 years, right? And uh, mm. and really brought uh, you know a lot on from a BI analytics side to uh, to to everything that we do today. He manages all of our cap stuff, does all of our major negotiations, and so he grew up with it, right? It's it's not something right. you kind of walk into. So I, I I will say, look, I've I've learned a lot about the business of sports. Um, and you know, I, I, but I don't think what I, what I'll tell you is it's interesting. I don't know if there's ever a ceiling on that there, you know, the learning curve has gotten more flat, but there's still a slope. I'm still learning something new every day, which is cool. That is cool. So what you're saying is you're more poised to be like an owner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you give me a few billion dollars, I might be able to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Um, so what's your day to day like with, with all of these companies yeah no i i think it just depends on what fire you're putting out right with with all the work um you know fortunately i would say one we have great teams and great support so you know i i can't claim you know credit at all for for any one of these things this is this is always a team effort and so it just depends on what you know what priorities coming up what deal we're working on what project we're working on and trying to allocate my time accordingly so you know each each one of those priorities is getting enough time and attention um, you know, you know, before it needs to, and definitely when it needs to. So there is no, there is no routine to my day. If, if you know, which is good or bad depending on who you are. For me, mm-hmm. it's great. You know, I, I, I love the fact of you know, I, I never know necessarily on any given day what, what you know, what crazy thing we're going to have to figure out or work on or, <laughs> or solve. Yeah, um, you mentioned I think when we were talking a while back about. Um, invest the sort of an investment side of yep. what you guys do as well tell me about that is that a different entity or is that a different company or just a line yeah it, it, it's well it's, it's it's integrated to the 49ers and and you know we have a, a, a team on that where we have uh abrano perkovich who's our chief investment officer you know really runs that but we have a really strong team prague's also a big part of that colin Metter's a partner on that side either as well and so and and so my role depending when we first started was probably a lot a lot more involved in terms of deal flow and, 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 you know, kind of finding deals to invest in as well as the legal work that comes with all of that. I think with the rise of Elevate and Venue Next and other, some of those pieces and, you know, really as we've tightened up our, our investment thesis, that work's still there and I find it exceptionally interesting. Um, and and I, th- I work on it in different ways. So I still, you know, sports tech in particular is really near and dear to my heart. And so always looking and evaluating those early stage companies um, both from an investment standpoint, but more so now than I ever did before from a commercial standpoint. Now that we have Elevate and we have, you know, if, if we can, if we find some really good, call it sponsorship valuation technology, and we want to leverage that to, to you know, five leagues and, you know, 20 some clubs throughout those leagues, it's, it's much easier for me to do that now mm. uh, and also evaluate whether that tech's going to work across multiple leagues uh, and sports than I was, you know, five, six years ago when, when I was doing the same thing. Got it. So I think you mentioned, I don't know if, is it public that the 49ers, you know, own percentages of, of different. It, it is and it isn't. So look, well. we, 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 we try not to be in, in, for, for very specific reasons. There's some stuff we put press releases out on and, and, you know, we're mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're, you know, the, the, uh, it, it's cause it's technically not the 49ers. It's, it's, you know, uh, it's the, the family and executive. So for example, like, you know, I, I have a, a small slug of cash in, in some of these investments as well. Um, that that are making these investments, but um, but it is you know I think it, it brings value to the team because we're able to kind of evaluate technology in a lot of ways and get involved with things that we wouldn't, 
Uh, and so there is definitely a, uh, a lot of value there. So I know you probably get this, well, I imagine that you get this a lot from people like they think, they hear you work for the 49ers and it's like, wow, that, that must be the best job ever. Glamorous, you have, you have lunch with Raheem Mostert. You, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, you, do you get that a lot? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think, look, automatically when you're associated with a brand like ours, there's, there's this aura that comes with it. Um, you know, I, 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 it's funny. I do have the best job, for, but not for all the reasons that anyone would think I have the best job, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not the, uh, you know, uh, eat, eating lunch in the cafeteria with the guys, you know, b- b- you know before game day or, or, or any of or that, you know, or walking by, you know, whoever it might be in the parking lot. That's, um, you know, that that's cool. In, in some ways you get kind of, numb to that because it's not like you're going to be like, Hey, what's up? Like, you don't want to be that guy, right? Like, <laughs> like, right. Like, uh, you're like, you're, they're at their job, just like you're at their job, by the way. Like it's, it's, you know, for them, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's for, it, it is a job. That's what they do. That's what they built their whole lives around. And they're very serious about those things. The last thing they need is someone going and like giving them a thumbs up while they're walking in the parking <laughs> lot. Right. So, or, uh, you know, or for God forbid asking for an autograph, that would be like, I, I think like, like it's unheard of. Right. And so what, what I would say is, is, the best parts of my job of everything I've been talking about, like the constant challenges, the new things that I get to do, the, the interesting parts that I'm involved in. Um, but, but it's interesting. And I think I might've talked to you about this, Sean, like I actually work harder and, and, you know, from a lawyer standpoint, or, you know, when you think of billable hours, um, in-house than, than I, than I ever did when I was, uh, working at a private practice and, and, and man, I was, I was doing easily clocking over, you know, 2000 hours every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, and which is, you know, which is, you know, not, not 3000, but it's not a small chunk of, of time. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, I've come in and I'm, I'm, there's no, there is no weekend. There is no kind of nighttime. There's just, you know, you, you, you do whatever it does to get the job done. And I think that's a mentality of sports to be fair. You know, I think that whether, and, and I wouldn't say it's unique to our organization or sports in, te- in general, but I think, you know, you, you do what it takes to win and, and whatever mm. that requires, you do it. Is sports more that way? Because, you know, sort of the natural rhythm is it's the games are on Sunday. You're prepping for that. You're, you know, or is it just a function of just being a big business? I, I, I you know, I think it's it's a great question. You know what? I, I don't know if that has a lot to do with it. The interesting thing, though, is that you know there's no difference in the off season versus the season, except you know I'm not watching football on Sundays, right? Like if anything, mm-hmm. I almost get a a day off, you know, every other week during the season. In, in some weird way because I'm at the game. Um, you know, there's some game day responsibilities, uh, you know, that, that I early on that, that I had, especially when we had the tailgate open and some other pieces. And, you know, we bring folks in um, to learn about their tech or, or to get, get better affiliations with them. But generally speaking, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not on a computer on a, on a Sunday. So that's, uh, it's, it might be some of that, but I think, look, the way that our organization now is we're a 365 organization. We are, we're always a football team first and foremost, but we are, we're also more than a football team on, in, in the off season. Mm. Yeah, what is the, I don't know, what's the biggest challenge for you from sort of moving from the private practice world to what you do now? Yeah, look, I, I think the, the, the biggest challenge in private practice, the great thing about being outside counsel is that your, your job is to, to, it isn't and it isn't, and I think this is actually what's helpful, but a lot of lawyers' jobs are to point out the risks, right, versus necessarily the solutions. 
Um, I think I think we were always lawyers that that tried to find solutions within those risks and and help kind of talk about those things. But it's it's you know being in houses. Look, you have to you still have to make decisions with risk in them and and evaluating and figuring out that risk and still mitigating that as much as possible in the day to day is is I think is is a big challenge. One and then two. Um, I think part of the business side is it's just relationships. You building mm-hmm. relationships is so so critical, which is again not different if you're if you're practicing law. Uh, I think that's what some of the not some but the best lawyers do that right. They have exceptional relationships with their clients, but I think it's um, it's having these kind of cross departmental relationships that aren't necessarily legal in any way. You know, I you know I I barely am talking to folks that have any legal background on on any given day. Uh, and making sure that I understand their business, all the different things that they're going through, what they're trying to solve for, and and understanding all those risks. But it's, look, man, you know me, I was a litigator before this, mm-hmm. and I was an employment litigator. So if anything, I was very specialized in the work that I do. I, I do n- nearly nothing related to litigation now, if anything, and it's all transactional work. It could be tech transaction, it could be IP, it could be M&A work. It's, it's nothing that I was... I, I did for seven years specifically, right? And so learning that I think was was a challenge, and then that also is continues to be a challenge, but in a good way. Like again, like, like as I mentioned, something that I'm always keeping up with and learning about, and and I find exciting. All right, let's let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back. Today's show is brought to you by Edipose the electronic exhibit solution for depositions. With Edipose, attorneys can use exhibits during remote depositions just like they do during in-person depositions. The best part? You don't have to learn a whole new process. Just mark, introduce, and distribute personal copies of exhibits to all participants in real time, the same way you always have. Learn more at edipose.com. And now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, so, Sean, let's let's kind of put on our our fan hats for the moment, and uh, and let's talk a little bit about maybe this season. You know, what's this season been like for you? Because it's been kind of depressing, honestly, from a fan outside fans perspective. See so many injuries and to to so many critical guys. Yeah. So look, if we're, if we're going to talk football disclaimer, I'm take you know, my lawyer and me, whatever I say is the fanboy <laughs> Sean now talking, yes. uh, taking off my, my hat as an employee of the team. Um, yeah. So look, a hundred percent, man, I think coming off a season last year where everything that, you know, that, that Kyle and John have been working for year over year that you could see it, you know, we were so close, you know, we, we had, we, we had a tough season before that, but you know, we lost, I think seven of, of 10 games by three points or less, or, you know, one score or less. And so it was, just so close and finally last season you know we had all the pieces in place we were healthy and, and you really saw what what they'd been building towards and uh you know getting to pretty much you know six and change minutes away from winning a super bowl uh to which was look i, I still think an amazing accomplishment for what we've done but obviously disappointing to coming into the season feeling you know feeling especially with covid some excitement around need something to to get us going again and you know, going out to uh, to the Meadowlands that week too, and getting our guys hurt, and and literally just downhill from there. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I think we're 17 or 18 of our 22 starters are out, right? So uh, it's 
Uh, it's 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 obviously disappointing, but I don't think it's from an expectation setting standpoint. When you have, you know, more than well over the majority of your team is out, especially your 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 key players, your quarterback, your running back, your 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 head of your defense, your 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 rushers on defense, you know, all those folks are out. Um, it's you know, like I don't know. Well, well, I don't I don't know if I expect more. Right? I think despite that. You see Kyle last week, right? Engineering plays against the Saints team. Like we get the drive, right? And mm-hmm. you know we get going, and, and we're you know we're close. But you can't, you know, Josh. We mentioned you you play football, so I can't speak to this. But but football is four quarters, right? And and maintaining that momentum and being able to do that against the 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 one percent of the one percent of the one percent in the world, it's hard to do. No matter how good our our uh, you know the twenty two guys that we do have out there are. So I, I'm not disappointed in the team. I'm not disappointed in. In, in what we're doing, I'm just disappointed that our, you know, that we're not able to showcase honestly what what our capabilities are, you know, and, and that that the the silver lining is is that you know if, if you're going to take something out of COVID, at, at least at least it's this year, you know, where where we can't get in the building and you know where 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 there's not that same impact, and I'm you know really looking forward to 22, hopefully with uh, vaccines and therapeutics and obviously all of us being safe, but getting back in there watching some good football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the New Orleans game really it was it was impressive to me because like you mentioned there there's so many different players um that were out and you see Kyle Shanahan and just his creative mind um to put people in positions to succeed over and over and over again to where you're engineering and driving going down the field and scoring. Um, like you have all of your, you know, starters in place. And that was just incredibly impressive. Not only that, but the defense and the way they showed up against New Orleans, who's a really good offensive team um, in certain instances, just was was super impressive. So I think even though I guess in my mind, even though, you know, the, the season's not exactly turning out the way we would hoped it to be. I, I don't feel the same way I felt when I was walking out of the stadium when we lost to the Cardinals like three or four years ago. Right. There's still that kind of like excitement around what would being built um and kind of hope for 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 when the team gets healthy um what what, what kind of force they're going to be yeah, yeah exactly that's, that's a good point no and, and so john i actually have a question for you because again not I'm, I'm not a football guy but one of the things i've at least i kind of through osmosis seem to pick up watching kyle is kyle is so cerebral right the way that he like schemes and thinks about things like and the game of football is actually exceptionally cerebral people just think of it's like oh no you're tackling and you're running and each plays seven minutes but like it's your you have your game plan and 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 the best the best teams are ones that can execute on that right it's like knowing that hey i have my drop i hit this gap i run this 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 pattern and i throw the ball before the guy's turning right and it's it's people i think people and I've only learned this actually. I never knew this or thought, even thought about this before I joined, you know, a, a football team. But it's super cerebral. It's like so much more. It's obviously you're the best of the best athletes. But on top of that, your your brain is is just like, you know, just shooting off at every second, you know. And 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 that's how you you play well. I mean, if you could talk a little bit about that, I'd be super interested personally. Yeah, I mean, again, um, I don't have a ton of experience in it <laughs> at the level, right? But, but yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely in the higher level you go, the more cerebral it becomes. Where I'm as a, as a running back, I'm in the backfield and I'm scanning defenses. I'm looking to see whether you know where the safety is in regards to the hash. I'm looking at the front that's up, and that's going to tip me off to what I can expect coming from like a blitz or something like that. And then it's it's understanding tendencies and then um, practicing them and 
like repetitively to the point where it just becomes muscle memory. You see something and you react because you've done it a hundred times before and you've seen it a hundred times before. Um, and that's an appreciation. I think I bring to a Sunday morning watching something take place, um, that, that I don't know if all people have. And, that's why I love like a Tony Romo as a commentator where there's been like <laughs> numerous times where he's telling you what's going to happen before it happens. And it's because he knows the game so well. Um, and so there, it, I think Chris Collinsworth is the same way where he's telling you what's going to happen before it actually happens. Um, and that just testifies to how mental the game can be and how it is like a chess match. And it's a, it's a chess match and it's a chess game that I think Kyle Shanahan plays really, really well. Um, moving people into situations and, and playing on the strengths of his players is something that he think, I think he does um, better than anyone else in the league. And again, I'm biased, obviously. But <laughs> No, I mean, I think, look, really to your point, to and, and we were kind of just talking about this, but I think that that's, I mean, like, look, when you when you watch us and how injured we are and you see the drives that we make, like the Saints drive last week and other ones, and, and honestly, folks, they're exceptional athletes, but you don't even know who, you've never heard of them before, very honestly. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Coming up from the practice squad, they're not the big names names that you hear of and whether you play fantasy or not and slotting those folks into a system that that works right like that that that's just like hey we we can drive on folks we can go play with the best of them obviously it's a lot harder to do that for four full quarters when you're when you're as depleted as we are but but just seeing that despite you know you literally are plugging folks into the system versus you know the 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 players are the ones that are the system Mm. and i think you see that with particularly like the running back position Yep. Where, right, where it's Devin Coleman and then it's Raheem Mostert yeah. and it's Jarek McKinnon. And it's interesting because that like Mike Shanahan's like Denver Broncos were the exact same way where you can plug and play a running back and they would just go for 150 yards. And yeah, these guys are incredible athletes and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to downplay that, but I think there's a scheme and there's a scheming that's being involved, um, that's involved in it that are really contributing. That's really contributing their success. Yeah, I mean, you look at Debo and Raheem, and look, these these guys aren't new to the league, and they're coming new to our team, and now putting into the system and kind of you know just kind of blowing up from there, and and it's just it's incredible. Yeah. It is. It's incredible to see you know the if you if I list it out for you at the beginning of the season. These are the people, you know, in week whatever we're at, you know, seven, yep. I guess, that, no, we're way up on that. Anyway, um, that were, <laughs> that are going to be injured and have missed all of the season or most of the season or whatever. I think you would say, we're not going to win a game, right? Like, yeah. maybe we win one game. Like, for, for sure, you're not going to pick them close to, you know, close to contending. Right. No, I mean, I think that's it. Like, you know, again, I can't keep harboring this point, but you you take Debo, who's with us, what, two years, two seasons now, or something like that, whatever it is, right? So you get someone on his end of the spectrum and someone on Raheem who's been a special teams guy, two folks that are very different in terms of where they are in their careers and and what they've done, and, and like, just just incredible to see how they fit the system. And, look, Robert Salas, Coach Salas, is the same exact thing on the defensive end, right? Mm -hmm. Just, like, every Mm -hmm. week – you know, we don't know who our corner is going to be. And and, and finding – when, look, we we lost – we lost Jimmy and uh, not sorry uh, Nick and um, and Solly both, and still figuring out ways to put pressure on our uh, on, on that quarterback and on that front line. It's just it's, it's just incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. but those guys in particular, you look at and you go, you plug in one of those guys like Bosa, and it seems like it just changes the entire defense because he is 
as good as all these guys are, he is just like that, you know, little bit much better. And it, it shows in amazing ways. And it has this huge impact on the game. And so when you take out people uh, who are that much better and you sort of place them, you know, put in replacement level, essentially, players or you know, people just aren't quite, don't have that quite boost over him. Um, you would think that they would just get killed. But the system, I think, makes up for a lot of that. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's hundred percent right, man. Yeah, I think so. What what I see, you know, Nick Bosa on the defensive side, I see is like a George Kittle on the offensive side, mm-hmm. where these guys are like the spark, and you're just waiting for them to do something that just sets the entire team on fire. Um, and 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 that was kind of like the persona of the Niners last year. I mean, they, I felt like they're just like a bunch of pro wrestlers that just are <laughs> out there, just like smashing people and like celebrating it. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah. And 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 the excitement of that was just like contagious. And so what I'm what I'm interested in is is without fans in the stands how much does do you think that actually impacts kind of what's going on on the on the field because mm-hmm. there's you know like it's obviously they're manufacturing noise um but i would imagine it's not the same thing as actually having people there um and cheering and, and screaming and all of those things yeah i i i would say it's the same right i mean i think so we, we were just some friends and i were talking about this and how different sports are different so i think um in some ways, I actually think it's like less impactful in basketball. And, you know, all my free friends on the basketball side, sorry to say that. But because, like, <laughs> I just think, like, look, I, I didn't play football, right? But And, and by the way, I'm, I am I'm not a basketball player. But I, like, you know, I, I played a ton of, of pickup ball, like, you know, all through high school, college, whatever, right? And it's – there's something kind of like, you know, you're just playing ball, you get really into it, right? It's easy. There's, there's one-on-one. There's this other kind of inherent piece. But, like, football is this team sport. And, like, having – you know, I think having that crowd and, again – Going back to you, man. You're you're the one who played. Um, is 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 fundamentally different. I think it's it's playing. You know, eleven on eleven and not having anyone in the building is it's kind mm-hmm. of eerie. It's kind of weird. Yeah. 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 What was that like for you, Josh? I mean, is there? What would you? You know, how would you sort of handicap that? You know, are you able to get up for a game hypothetically if there's like no crowd? You you can I mean yeah you can there there you can you can it's a game and it's a game that you like playing and it's something that you enjoy doing so and then with people that you that you love like your teammates are like brothers and so yeah there's there's a level of excitement I think when you're playing against big like kind of fiery crowds um, it just takes it to like that next level of excitement and you kind of feed off the crowd I think um, and. So I quick anecdote, but we we Northern Arizona, we'd go down to play like ASU and U of A and things like that once a year, and just get like there, we were their tune up game essentially. And I was a, a kick returner, and and I was excited and I fielded the <laughs> kick and then broke off from the wedge and just got obliterated. Um, and then what was cool about it was that the the crowd told me how hard I got hit because as soon as I felt contact, <laughs> I just heard everyone gasp, and I rolled over and saw myself with the jumbo stride. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely cues that you can pull, pull from from the crowd that I think would be obviously lacking without people there. So, Sean, how does that work from a business standpoint? Because uh, taking it back to the very beginning of rolling out, um, rolling back out professional sports, you know, post COVID, you know, I think the German soccer leagues might have been the first, the first to do it, and I watched some of those games. 
and they were dead silent. And you could hear, you know, it's just guys talking to each other. And you couldn't hear anything in the background. And it was, from a fan's perspective, it just didn't work. It was, it was so weird, and it just it it didn't seem like an actual game. But they you, uh, what I found was they when they turned on that noise, you knew it was fake. Yeah. You knew it was not real. And and you know the better ones are doing like DJ basically, um, but but it added a level of interest to it, and it made it seem like a real game again. So from a fan's perspective, so is that like a uh, something that the business has really learned, uh, you know, some, from sort of the business perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I mean, so look, we, we don't touch broadcast, right, in any way or mm. form. Um, very frankly, it's, it's all, it's all the, the broadcast partners that are doing these things. And I think um, it was funny. I think, you know, one of the things, just again, this is not related to the business, but what we had talked about amongst friends here is like, hey, when this all started, we should figure out a way to leverage you know, our, our phones, we can all do like real time before we can talk to each other real time, right? Why can't you just take all those same sounds and pipe them into the stadium, right? Like just hmm. everyone has their phone or computer or something else on. Uh, and I actually think there was a company that in Australia or somewhere else we looked into that ended up doing this. And this was like two months later, and I started texting my friends like, dude, they stole our idea. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I was like, look, if you like, all the things you would worry about in live sports, like you're you're not gonna you're not gonna hear anything. Like if you have ten thousand voices, you're not gonna hear the one guy that right. drops the f bomb, right? right? So like it just it's none of those things are gonna happen. It'll be noise. You'll, it'll be like and, and you don't have to actually delay it, so it can be you know it can be timed with with what's whatever is going on. So I, I think that helps. I think you know look, it mm. makes it better. It's interesting though. It's it's almost. Um, it makes it feel normal, but the thing is, there's I think all of us are so used to watching sports. Is the way that they've they 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 when they miss things, it was really awkward. It was like you know a record scratch, like like it's like wait a second, like I can't remember <laughs> what game I was watching, and it was like the the home team uh, just like like uh, like scored or did a stop, like basically what you would cheer them for, and then the crowd was booing, and I was like. <laughs> That wouldn't happen in this game. It was like it was like like this right. visceral reaction, and I couldn't tell. My body was like, "There's something wrong," and I was like, "But," and I was like, "Oh, there's booing," and like you know, like whoever this this is the home team. Why would this ever happen? So uh, they they got they clearly got the AI wrong on that one. But yeah. but um, but no, I mean, look, sports is look fans. I think I think players would say this. I think we would say this. I think just and it was like. Fan, you know, it's 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 symbiotic, right? Like you got to have fans, right? And and mm-hmm. we all miss it. I think the one thing I would say, and it could be a hundred percent wrong, but when it's when it's safe and and right for us to get back, I think people are going to go in droves to to live events. I think being stuck in your home for over a year, which it's going to end up being to some extent, and you know whatever other you know rules you know you you, you impose upon yourself for friends and family and children, whatever it is, the things that you guys people are doing. You know, no judgment. I think you should you should do whatever's right for your own families. But when when the world finally opens up, I think at least myself, like like I'm gonna go to every game I can. Like, <laughs> I mean, I stopped like you know I stopped watching sports outside of our games for a while because I was just like so saturated with it. I was like, dude, I will do anything. I'm gonna do everything out there. Like I just I, I miss I miss human interaction and live mm-hmm. sports and the excitement and that competition. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I think there's probably two phases of it, right? There's the we open up with restrictions and people will still 
you know, flood that because there's so much pent up demand. But I think once the brakes really come off, whether, you know, the, we really get an effective vaccine, it's really widespread and we essentially realize, okay, it's, it's safe to come out. Um, I think that's where you're going to see like 1920s style. (laughs) (laughs) Prohibition is lifted. Let's go. Seriously. The roaring 2020s. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's the, what's been the most difficult thing for you personally with, uh, with the COVID-19 crisis? Uh, Honestly. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think it's, 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 I, I feel uh, worst for my for my kids. So I have, I have three little girls, nine, seven, and four and a half. And, uh, you know, they miss, at this age, like, you know, mm-hmm. learning's one thing, right? Like, you know, you can, I think especially you can, at these ages, you can figure a lot out. And, and it's it's not, I'm not worried about that piece, but they just miss their friends, right? And, and those interactions, which I think are actually critical, are more critical in some ways, than, um, than, than, you know, the, what, what you're going to learn at, at school or, or ballet class or whatever it might be, right, whatever activities they're doing. So I just, you know, I think for me, just seeing them and, you know, how, how excited they get if, you know, some friend rides their bike by the house or something, right, is, is just makes me think of the other side of it. So, you know, look, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're lucky in terms of we live in a time where we can all do our we, – we figured it out. There's no question. We can definitely do our jobs from home. Um, you know, it's it's not the same, and, and I can't actually wait until I can start seeing people and working with people. I do think that there's this huge benefit that we are missing out on by not being in person. But the the core of my job, I can definitely do at home, and, and you know, my wife can do the same. And you know, it's it's you know, I'm I'm lucky in terms of I get to have dinner with my kids every night, which I haven't done in 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 years from a, from a work standpoint. But mm-hmm. I definitely feel that that lack of social interaction, the human interaction, really is what 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 what's missing most in all of our lives. Sure. Absolutely. So let's back up a little bit. How did you get into the law first? When did you think, you know what, I want to be a lawyer? Yeah, you know, it's uh that's a great question. So I think so I was like I was a math major in college, right? Like I, I hated writing and reading. So it was the farthest from what I ever would have thought initially, you know, going in that I would end up doing. I did kind of technology related consulting for about five years and then just burnt out from from being on a plane and living in hotels and and you know kind of that that type of work, uh, and I was trying to think like don't want to go to B school for those reasons, uh, and I had a, a really good family friend who was uh, was a lawyer and and you know he he also he was like an engineer or something and then went back to law school um, and and ended up working you know at a law firm and then ended up going you know starting his own practice and, and you know really looked up to him and he was like look you don't I think the good thing about law school is you're not pigeonholing yourself in one thing or another you're learning. You know, you're learning a way to think. You're learning valuable skills, um, and you know you can do lots of things. You can work in a law firm. You can put up your own shingle. You can go in house. You can end up not really practicing. And the and the crazy thing is, like, out of those kind of four things, I've ended up doing you know three of those four to a certain extent, right? You know, I've hmm. uh, I've you know obviously private practice for for a long time, came in house, and and now I would say, you know, there there's there's more often than not almost more days I'm doing less pure legal work. Than I am doing non-related legal work, and and definitely last couple of years as we've been starting up these companies, I've been on planes more than I was probably in my twenties when I was doing consulting. So it's funny how things <laughs> come, full, come circle. full circle. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, so what's your what's your position on lawyer shows? Oh, uh, lawyer shows, interesting. Um, 
I just get annoyed by them very honestly because it's just like this is this is this is not at all what it's like, right? And like and I get like kind of like technical. I was like, dude, you could never do that in court. Like that's just ridiculous. And I was like, these people are morons. And so like uh I, I like more like probably like doctor shows because I know nothing about it. And I was like, yes. sweet. Like of yeah. course you could save this person whose arm just fell off. <laughs> right? Like that's that's totally possible. Um so yeah, I mean I I, I don't I don't like dislike them, uh, but I don't say I have an affinity towards them in particular. Yeah, I, I think I'm the same. I don't, I don't necessarily understand lawyers that are like, oh, I love this lawyer show. I'm like, really? You can watch that and and not just be pulling your hair out the whole time and going, this is not what it's like. This is this is nothing what it's like. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's funny though. My wife is also a lawyer, and you know, she was in private practice and in in house. Now she loves she loves those shows. Mm-hmm. She's like she's like well, like suits a lot of people do. The Good Wife, and I can't. And it's like I can't remember. There's a couple others, and I was just like, "That's all you, honey. You can you you watch that, <laughs> and, and I'll and, I, and I'll watch you know Peaky Blinders over here, or whatever." <laughs> uh, so, from a from a fan's perspective, what are you looking forward to most? Uh, sort of about getting the getting the 49ers back in, you know, back healthy. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think at, at our core, when we are healthy, we are Super Bowl contenders, no question. I mean, last mm-hmm. year is proof positive of that. We have, ex- we, have, we have great talent across the board, you know, behind, behind center, tight ends, running backs, um, you know, wide receivers. We are not lacking. You know, just, we, just, we just need to be healthy, right? Um, and so I think we get we get healthy there, and then our our defense we saw last year second to none. When we are when we are healthy, uh, we 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 were stifling. And so I think honestly, just watch like it's it's not. I actually don't obviously get bothered, and I get you know you know as a fan you get upset when you lose, but it's not that. It's just like it's it's just like you know if you're not if you're at a if you're at a hundred percent and you lose and you play comp- and competitive, then like there's only so much you can do. But like you know there's Again, like we talked about this, going up against the best of the best from an athlete's perspective and, and not having kind of um, equal on both sides is, is, is frustrating. So I, I'm, I am looking forward to next year. I, I know we have all the right folks from the, from the coaching side to the personnel side to, the, to the, you know, the, the, the players themselves. And I feel really, really excited about that. And so that's, I'm, I'm just really, I want to go out there and just be competitive again. There's nothing more you can really ask for. Mm-hmm. Were you, Sean, were you a, a 49er fan before you joined the organization? So it's interesting. Um, I was like, I've never been a team fan in general. I would say very honestly, like, uh, and and the only team fan, and this is so cliche to say this, the, that I was, but prior to a 49ers fan, were were the Yankees, and and the and and the only reason I was. So I grew up in the '80s when the Yankees were the worst, right? Like we would lose to the to the Jays, and and obviously the the, the Sox, and and you know the. You know, whoever it was that year, I think like one of the years like John Olerud almost hit 300 and that was like the, the craziest thing ever. But like, you know, it was all through the 80s and early 90s that like, you know, I was a fan. And so like the, the, it's, it was crazy that in 94, I think was when Mattingly retired and then we had Wade Boggs on our team and he's riding around a horse after we win the first, you know, uh, <laughs> World Series since like, uh, you know, uh, Reggie left. So it was just kind of like. It was, it was, you know, so, and, and the reason I was, because those are the games I go to. I grew up in North Jersey. My, my dad would take me to Yankees games, would sit in the nosebleeds up in the top, which are very scary now that I think back at this. Like, there's some interesting <laughs> folks up there. Um, and, and I became a fan because you go to these games. That's genuinely like, you know, it's going to the live event. You know, I would, I would, I'd be the guy that, you know, that keeping score and, you know, you know, strikes and balls and the whole thing. And, uh, 
And, you know, even the Giants, everyone was a Giants fan. I, I couldn't stand the Giants. Like, I just was like, wasn't a Phil Sims fan, wasn't an LT fan. You know, when Haas won the Super Bowl, I was kind of like a little bit happy because I was like, ah, look, it wasn't Sims. Um, and so, uh, uh, and, uh, but, you know, I, I like, I, it was it was players, right? You know, I, I love players. Mm-hmm. And then very honestly, um, when, when I, I moved to California in early high school, and, you know, obviously in, in the early, it was in the early 90s, and that's, the 49ers were doing well, there were a lot of fans here, started getting into them. I, I wouldn't say I was diehard, but then, um, you know, as I think as I became more of a sports fan, the team grew on me. And obviously, since I, since I've been here now, like there's no question, right? You know, I definitely bleed uh, red and gold. So that's cool. That's cool. So what would you if you had sort of word of advice for a starry eyed young uh, lawyer, maybe a law student who said, yeah, I really want to get into sports law and, you know, work for a for a professional sports team. You know, what, what would your advice be to them? Yeah, I mean, that I would say that's. For, I would say one, there's call it 150 teams out there, and maybe 300 jobs in in sports, right? Just to be, you know, two. Let's say at most, you know, you know, on average, there's a lot of teams that have one lawyer. Some teams have two. Some teams have three. So, so maybe you know, two on average on, on a on a sports team. If you look at, assuming there's, you know, you think there's there's five major leagues out there, and so. Um, there is, there's no such thing as a sports lawyer, right? There's a lot of exceptional firms that do work in sports and, and, and a couple of their folks end up making it a transition over to the team side or venue side or agency side, whatever it might be. But um, I, I don't think, at least I, look, I'll be very honest. I didn't go to law school with ever thinking I was going to be a sports lawyer. And so I don't think that getting into sport, it, it could be, and there are some that have, by the way, to be very fair. Um, you know, it, it is, but it's, it's few and far between. It's hard to get to. I think, but I, the advice I give everyone is just like, do what you're passionate about, right? Do what you love. And then, you know, if that ends up being sports, th- there's going to be some way you're going to find your way into it. And it's probably not going to be by saying, I want to be a sports lawyer. It's going to be by being an exceptional transactional lawyer or a litigator in some way or, or, you know, some deal lawyer, whatever it might be. And being really, really good at that, that you figure out how, you know, somehow that, that lands you in, in a job in sports. Or you just really, really enjoy watching the 49ers on the... <laughs> on TV and hope they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> there, there, there it is, right, man? There, that's the other way. Uh, well, I think we got to wrap up. We're running along, but thank you so much, both of you, for for joining. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, Sean, thanks Josh, th- thanks. Great, great, great to talk to you guys. This was a lot of fun. Yep, thanks for having us. A big thank you to Sean Kundu for joining us on the show today. And thanks to Edipose for being our show sponsor. Join us again next time on the Lawyerly Podcast. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to Lawyerly so you don't miss out on more great guests like we had today. And as always, if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us get the word out. Production services for today's episode are by Four Hours of Sleep. And the music for the show is by Rhythmic Revival. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Kennedy of Herrera Birdie.